Hi, and welcome to the Rags to Riches show with myself, Terry Blackburn. So this podcast is all about inspiring you, motivating you, pushing you on to achieve more in your life, whether that's in business, property, your health and fitness, your personal life, every part of your life, this podcast hopefully will help you achieve more, do more, and get to where you want to be. So just before the episode starts, I have just launched a new website called terryblackburnproperty.com. On there, I've got all of the services that I offer. So one-to-one coaching in business, property, time management, goal setting, sales, persuasion, loads of different things on there. I've got some online courses, some one-to-one coaching courses as well. So please have a look on there. Really appreciate your support. And if you want to get involved, you want some more specific help from me, you want some more one-to-one coaching and, and assistance from me to help you to get to where you want to be, it's all on there also got a couple of books on amazon and audible the be a lion which has won multiple awards worldwide now and the power of peas is the new one all about the different p words profit power perspective purpose etc i hope you'll really enjoy one last thing from me if you enjoy these podcasts and you benefit from them you learn from them all i ask is that you share it with your friends and family or someone who you think the episode is relevant to you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That would massively help. The more shares we get, the bigger guests I can get on the podcast, the more people we can help and the more I can grow the show. So thank you so much. Get in touch if you like what you're listening to and don't just take notes, take action. Hi, and welcome to the Rags to Riches show with myself, Terry Blackburn. Now, today's guest is a fellow Geordie. Always nice to have a Geordie on the show. Uh, Mr. Kevin Whelan, uh, quite an impressive man. He's a founder of Wealth Builders, which he's going to talk about, which is one of his companies. He's an economist. He's the author of three books, one being The Wealth Coach with Bradley Sugars. If you don't know who Brad Sugars is, where have you been for the past 20 years? Um, <laughs> he's, he's helped hundreds, probably thousands of people create wealth through his organization and his coaching. And he specializes in in creating wealth in, in a few different ways, using a few different methods. It's not just property. It's not just business. It's other things as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about. He's been involved in hundreds of JVs over the years and helped fund a lot of other people's JVs and property um, purchases and strategies. Really impressive guy. I'm sure it'll be full of gems, lessons, learnings, and quite quick because of both Geordies. Um, so, uh, so welcome to the show, Kevin Whelan. Thank you very much, Terry. It's always a pleasure to to share with you and, and to have two fellow Geordies. But you know, when when two Geordies get together, it gets fast and furious. So um, let's not watch this on one and a half speed. It's <laughs> best <laughs> no, to go not. down and listen to it again because hopefully we'll 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 better tease out some nuggets for anybody who's serious about building wealth, which is my audience and certainly yours. Mm. Yeah, man, 100%, 100%. I think it will, it will be uh, probably worth listening to it twice, I would say. I've heard Kevin speak a couple of times and he, he's very knowledgeable on, on quite a few different subjects, so I'm sure there'll be plenty in here. So what we'd like to do on this show, Kevin, is talk about your sort of story, your career so far, and we'll try and extract uh, as many lessons and key learnings as we can to hopefully inspire some of the listeners. So... Three parts of your sort of career so far would be how you just got into business, property, wealth creation to start off with. Yeah. Second part is um, the growth part, how you went from start up to where you are now. And then the last part is just what your attention is on, what your focus is on right now in 2022 and going forward. So could you sort of summarize that first section about just how it started for you, Kevin? That would be that would be great. Yeah, that's fine. So thanks for that. I mean, I think it all came down to a big catalyst for me, Terry. Not everybody gets one, but I got one very early. I was 25. My father died and he was 46. And because we were cut from the same genetic cloth, he was a Northeasterner like uh, like me and you. And he was working on the North Sea oil rigs, had a good business. But unfortunately, when he died, the business died. And the family went backwards and, uh, you know, it kind of shocked me really because he was doing well, but uh, because he didn't have a a business continuation plan, didn't have life cover, didn't make a will, just things didn't go well, but he was doing well, you see what I mean? And uh, and I realized that uh, if I went early, uh, obviously look at this face now, right? I'm way past 45 or 46 when he died, but um, 
I just really had a revelation, which was you can't save enough money if you're working for a living in a job. So I stopped trading time for money. And from the age of about 30, uh, just focused on using the brain to, to work out how to create things that would create an automatic and recurring income, whether I was there or not. And, and over the course of the years then, so rather than give you each itemized list of the things that, that I've done, I've summarized it now in a, one of my books, which is called The Seven Pillars of Wealth, which is there are seven and only seven ways to build wealth or seven assets. You can only create wealth through assets. You don't create wealth through any other method. And, and assets have the power to put income into your life while you're asleep. You don't show up, the money shows up. And it's a very, very powerful thing. Uh, most people don't get to make those distinctions and focus on one, uh, but I believe it's better, particularly in times like now, Terry, when the new order is disorder. I mean, it's a mess everywhere. Uh, so the more assets that you can have and control, the more financially bulletproof you become. And uh, my articulation is there are seven, and I'm more than happy to share those and why most people don't make it and why, uh, you know, as one of my podcast guests said recently, success and failure is entirely predictable, and it is. And if you follow the assets and you understand them, and then you set about creating them in, a, in an organized way, you will be a wealthy person. And if you don't, you simply won't. Love that. I think um, I like what you said there about um, definition of an asset. I agree. A lot of people don't, still don't understand that. They? they don't know what an asset is. If you ask people what, an, what is an asset, they have all kinds of, um, my car, my house, they have all sorts of um, uh, answers, don't they? But you, you said something about the seven pillars. Uh, so what are the seven pillars of wealth? Yeah, so you know, most people, as you say, don't really make the realization, but but they start to build their wealth, or, or they 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 by accident do things right. So for the for the most part, people create something accidentally. So the first three, the three that most people have in their life, and why ninety five percent of them don't become wealthy, is they live in a home, which isn't creating a recurring income for them because they're living in it. They have a pension, which they're not controlling and passing into a huge institutional force, which kind of tells them, oh, give me your money, let me look after your money. So they pay retail prices and pay a fortune for that. Um, and then they have money kind of left over in cash or in investments in ISAs and things like that. So most people have that. But mm -hmm. the, the big challenges are there's no value add. There's you're at the mercy of the market and there's no predictability. So if the stock market crashes and you happen to be retiring, you've had it. You know, mm. you can almost never recover from that because you're trying to scrape a bit of money off the growth. But if you never get a recurring income, recurring income, recurring income, you can't create certainty in your life at a time when you need it. And that's mm. sad for me to see that so many people live life of uncertainty when they get older and often as a, uh, I know you and I both will probably chat a minute or two about Brad Sugars, but but what about Mr. Buffett? You know, Mr. Buffett's got a good thing going, Mr. Warren Buffett. And he said, you know, if you don't find a way to create income while you sleep, you'll be working till you die. Mm. Uh, so most people don't because they only have three. Now, you and I intuitively uh, know that there are more than that. And the other four, which I call the entrepreneurial pillars, are a portfolio of property, and that's multifaceted there's many ways to do property and i'm sure you've interviewed many guests with every strategy under the sun and that's fine and we could talk about those uh, owning a business that works without you and there are three distinct aspects to that if we get a chance to talk about business and i know you and i are both business owners uh, intellectual property so the creation of income through books and and courses and memberships and where you're multi-packaging, repurposing and generating an income stream from what's inside the head and the, the distinctions you make over time. And then finally, joint ventures or collaborations. So which is where instead of you doing the work, you being the business owner, you being the property owner, you collaborate with somebody else. So you bring something to the table. In my case, it tends to be funding and somebody else does the work. So I don't have to do any of the work. I don't have to have any of the challenges or problems in terms of getting the work done 
I'll just provide the funding to do that. So the combination then of having, you can turn your home into an income stream, and there are many ways to do that. You can absolutely dramatically change your pension. And um, that's definitely something worth sharing because for property people who want to get property, everybody who does property runs out of money before they run out of ambition, but they normally have money in the pension that's doing nothing except paying a recurring income to the financial services industry. When you can flip that and make that turn and look at your property or your business or your intellectual property or your joint ventures. So you can completely turn your pension and face where you're going, not where you've been in the past. Uh, and most people uh, don't know how to invest in the stock market. And because they don't understand it, they tend to get FOMO around it. So they go, oh, I don't understand the stock market. I better do crypto, but they don't understand crypto. So they do everything completely wrong. They buy high, you know, they sell when it's low. It's just a nightmare. It's a car crash waiting to happen for most people in this country. So uh, I think there are steps. There are principles. It's not opinions. I don't dispense opinions. I give principles out. Uh, the only time I give an opinion, Terry, is somebody who I know is a friend like you, or if I've got a glass of red in my hand, I'll give an opinion. Otherwise, <laughs> I just say, this is a principle and it works. So follow the principle and you okay. And read Dalio's book, <clears throat> Principles, one of the best books I've ever, ever read. Um, it is principles backed up with facts, and I'm sure yours will be the same from, from your experience. Exactly. It's not just an opinion, but you'll say an opinion backed up by facts, you know. Um, yeah, I love that. So, sorry, so it's business, property, mm -hmm. IP. Yeah, and joint ventures. They're the four right. entrepreneurial ones, and the three that most people have is the home they live in, um, which they don't turn into an income, pensions, which they struggle to turn into an income, and then investments, which they struggle because there's a over-concentration in the stock market, which is all over the place and therefore is unpredictable. Whereas building a rental income from property, building recurring income in business, and there are four ways to create recurring income in businesses, uh, to create royalties, and, and well, that sounds nice, doesn't it? I like the sound of that, Terry, royalty. That sounds good. Right. <laughs> and then joint ventures is about sharing profit, sharing rentals, sharing, you know, so it's just that combination. So the, the more you can build, uh, and, and usually what happens is people get so late, they then go, oh, bugger, I need to turn my house into an asset. And then they sell it and downsize too late. You know, it's just too late then because you can't make enough money from a downsize, so the, you know, from a big house to a, little flat and then all of a sudden you compromise your lifestyle and it's not great so best to learn how the assets work and and you know anybody who connects with me terry i'll send the book for free i'm not mm. precious about that i don't need to make money from the book i'll give the book away all they need to do is just connect with me in whatever way they can you know well i guess you'll give me the opportunity to do that and i'll send yeah. the book for free yeah so you can hear all seven laid out for you to consider rather than you know, just uh, a few sentences about them as, as we're exchanging today. Yeah. Okay, I think that's a, it's a nice way of explaining it. And, and I feel that maybe some of the listeners, certainly from what I see online and some people that I speak to, they just go with one pillar, yeah. if you will. They'll mainly, maybe it's just because of the circles I'm in, they'll just start with property. Um, it's okay to start with that, in my, just in my opinion. But as long as you have a view to do something else, I think that, that is the intelligent move. Exactly. And it's not just putting all the eggs in one basket, is it? Because, you know, certainly people who are flipping properties, if we do have a downturn, or when we have a downturn, should I say, whenever that may be, you, you'll have a, a better opinion than me, being an economist. But, but, like, then they can get stung. But if you've got all the eggs in that basket, like, you know, and likewise, if you've got a business in a certain niche, all the eggs are in one basket. If that if that industry is impacted by something out of your control like COVID, what are you going to do? Like that is going to impact you and your family. So, so the reason I like what you talk about so much is it's about diversifying. And and I've always done that personally. Um, I don't know why I've, I've I've I kind of just ended up doing that. But but the more I think about it, and the more books I read on it, it, it is the right thing to do. Diversification, um, in my, just in my view, it just safeguards you a little bit, doesn't it? Well, yeah, and, and whether it's an opinion or not, it's a principle, you know, that 
everybody knows that if you put all your eggs in one basket and the and the basket gets damaged in some way and we've seen that with business owners in covid we've seen it with property owners in covid those who were relied on service accommodation and the tourist industry stopped you know so you have to be flexible enough to understand there are different ways to react when markets change and markets are always changing so the more distinctions you make let me make a point it's a principle the ability to become wealthy is in proportion to your ability to make clear distinctions. So while you've done some things intuitively, and I know you're an intuitive guy, that's fantastic because intuitively you've done a great job. But if you can imagine somebody else who might not have that same energy, that same clarity of intuition, it's better to teach them what the assets are so then they can be always working on two at the same time. I encourage everybody to work on two, a primary pillar and a secondary pillar. And if you've got more time, get a third one so that you're always, because with any asset you're buying, building, trying to create some income from, you've got a period of delay. You've got a period of a lag time. If you, you talked about flipping. Now, we could argue that flipping isn't wealth building because you only get paid when you flip. Well, that doesn't create recurring income. It's a flip. So it's not really wealth building. It, what becomes wealth building is if you flip and then you reinvest the money that you made in the flip into a recurring income asset. Mm. So, you know, there's just a, a point of difference there. But if you are flipping then you're realizing that actually you, you're only going to get paid when you flip. And if you can't look at the market now, you know, the marketplace is hot. Uh, there are so many people in it. There are three markets in life. Again, distinction. Uh, one is the retail market. Second is the wholesale market. Third is you create the market. And the mm. wealthiest people create the market. The second wealthiest people are in the wholesale market and the poorest people are in the retail market. Because retail means you're paying top price, you're paying top taxes, and you've got very little control because you've delegated your money to somebody else. That's people who put their money in the stock market in their pensions traditionally. Mm. But you can, the wholesale market says, actually, I'm buying at a discount. I'm buying in a way that gives me greater access to more choice. So you, you know, and you can do that definitely in all sorts of different ways. But like you with your business and like me with business, you're creating your business. And that gives you infinitely more value than what a market does because you can solve somebody's problem in a business and you've got a brilliant business and I love it and I love how you do it, but you're solving a problem and there's no limit then to the recurring income you can make and there's no limit to your ROI. So you're creating your market, but maybe if somebody didn't think about, am I doing retail work? Am I doing wholesale work or am I creating a market? You get get to think about it. And then when your brain thinks you make conscious decisions, not, Random decisions. Mm. I like that. Jose retail create. I've never heard it positioned in that way, but it's it's spot on. It's spot on. Again, I think that's an important point there. If someone is thinking about setting up a business, so that you know, that, yeah, that they're thinking about setting up a business. I think that's important to consider early doors, isn't it? Like, what are you actually trying to achieve? What industry you're in? What 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 sector you're in? And, and what type of market are you going to create or be in? Um, some people might just have an idea of what a business is. I don't know. They, they set up a shop and sell something. I, I, I don't know. It, you've got to consider that, haven't you? Um, well, you know, when I think people get uh, mistaken when they, like you said about what's an asset, people don't necessarily know. What's a business? Most people don't really know. Well, you, you mentioned Brad Sugars, right? Uh, Brad Sugars, the founder of Action Coach. 10,000 coaches paying him a royalty Um, you know, very nice, every single month. Uh, What what market is he in? Is he in the retail market, buying stuff? No. Is he in the wholesale market? No, he created a market, right? So he created the market. And he says a business is a commercially profitable enterprise that works without you. Well, if you're in a shop, mate, your shop ain't working without you and your footfall is limited to the... The line of people coming in, that's what I mean. That's that's, that's that's really not a business, it's a job in a different kind of structure and framework. To me, there are three key elements to a business. One is operating outstandingly. And I mean outstanding. I mean, be outstanding in a niche. 
uh, and you have to choose a niche in a business. You can have multiple businesses of multiple niches, but outstanding mm -hmm. in a niche. Have the ability for the business to work without you and to make sure that what the income that's being created from your business is recurring. And most people don't have recurring income businesses. Terry, the number of business owners who sell their business in the UK for a million or more is 5,000 a year. 5 million businesses in the UK. Do the maths. 0.1%. Right? So few business owners sell at all. You know, Some die, like my dad. Some hope to sell but get knackered. And they don't sell because nobody will buy the business because the business isn't recurring. It business can't work bad. without them. And, and they're, they're not outstanding at anything. They're just the same as the guy down the road. They charge the same price as the guy or girl down the road. So they're not creating anything that's outstanding and unique and recurring. And uh, so I just my brain just wires itself to, if it ain't recurring, I ain't doing it. Mm. Love that. I love that. And I've heard Brad say similar things. And to be fair, like when I came across, I don't know how I even got it. I came across Brad's content somehow. Then I ended up working with an action coach in Harrogate for a little while. Okay. And he just, I remember speaking to him and I was like, oh my God, I've been doing this wrong for how many years? Like the, the, the bit about it runs and grows without you. And I was like, well, and the guy said to him, was like, if you're not in bespoke, like, how long does it run for and how long does it, you know, does it continue to grow? Does it go backwards? And I was like, it won't run. It'll go backwards this, the day after. And I was like, oh my, so then the systems and processes came in and that stuck with me for forever. Yeah. Um, and again, I think when, when you say that phrase that, that Brad says to people about, you don't have a business, you have a job. It hits people hard, doesn't it? But then the start of slowly realizing you can literally see them realizing, you know what, it's right. And what you, you exactly what you said there. I'll tell you why it's tough with business owners. Property owners don't have the same issue. Property owners and people building their wealth through property um, have a kind of an open minded view because they network well. They mm -hmm. see there are multiple strategies, you know, maybe 20 strategies to look at everything from buy to let, service accommodation, HMO, student accommodation, commercial, commercial, Teresa, you know, they, you name it, somebody's doing it so they can see it. Mm. And they come at it generally with that open mind to go, look, go see, ooh, what about that? Oh, that's an interesting market. And they pivot and switch more quickly because it's individual units of property. When you get a business, you get an identity. Mm. You know, you've got a business. Now you, you're wearing the jacket that says, I'm a accountant, I'm a lawyer, I'm a, so you wear it. And when somebody says you've got a job, not a business, wow, you know, all of a sudden you've, you've, you've actually stuck a finger into their identity and they don't like it. So you have to be very soft and subtle with business owners because they're very precious. And, um, but, you know, you can get through and that's why Action Coach, you know, Brad's business does a great job. And, and I uh, do a similar job, but I do recur. I only teach recurring income. So I do recurring income in a business. I go inside a business, say, right, let's have a look. How do we turn this business into a recurring income business? If they're open-minded to doing that, and that's the key. If they're not, it's fine. You do your business, you make your profit, but let's reinvest your profit. Let's show you how you can turn that profit into streams of income so that your the proceeds from your business create the wealth rather than wait to sell your business when so few businesses actually sell. And then you're waiting until you're old. And then usually when you sell a business, you know, you've got a period of time for an earnout, but not if you've got a recurring income business, because you've got a recurring income business. Here it is. It works without me. What do I need to be here for? Why do I need to stay here for three years or five years? I don't. So that's the key difference. And that's a tough, it's a tough one. Business is harder than building wealth and property. Property you can replicate, which is oh, why sure. it's such a good thing to get into property, irrespective of where you start, whether you're an employee just building your pension or whether you're a business owner manufacturing widgets, get into property in some way because that will serve you well as one of your pillars. Mm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Business is definitely harder than property. There's a hell of a lot more moving parts. But the returns, in my opinion, ROIs can be unique. You can't get a property or properties anywhere near some of the returns you get on business. Yeah. Um, just focusing on the, the yeah. recurring 
Yeah, remember I said to you, you're creating the market. So when you're in business, you're in a different market. You're creating your own market. Whereas in property, you're still subject to what the market you is doing. To right. yeah, so much you can add value, but in a business, it's infinite. Yeah. Why well, I prefer so, business than any other asset. Yeah, yeah. So, so on, on, on just something you said there, just to spot the question. Um, so you only look at reoccurring things. So what sprung to mind when you said reoccurring is obviously you've got your rental incomes, buy-a-let-hmm, all of that. That's obviously reoccurring. Yeah. If you focus on business, you've got things like subscriptions, memberships, yeah. networking things where people pay a monthly amount. Um, what else is reoccurring in terms of businesses? Yeah, okay. Um, so that's, that's a great question. So let's, let's do the four ways to create recurring income in a business. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one is just to think about, you know, what business you're in. And uh, when you do that, you're, you're either offering a product, mm -hmm. providing a service mostly, right? But there are, there are two other ways. So if you've got a product, what about the product? And just think about it if you're listening now. What, what do you buy that you buy automatically, you know? So, so you're- so for, me, for me, I buy muscle food pots, which is just because I'm, I'm outsourcing the cooking to them. So they deliver muscle food pots every week that I eat for my lunch. Right. Subscription, okay. every week, it comes in every right. week. So I'm, I'm similar to you, but I don't do muscle pots, I do wine. <laughs> wine, yeah. <laughs> See, a wine club. Uh, I, get, I, get, I get wine delivered because, you know, I love wine. You know, I study wine. I enjoy wine. It's an interesting born and bred, loves a drink. I, I get <laughs> I love my wine. So, you know, that's that. But anyway, so one of the richest men in the UK is Tony Lathwaite, whose business last count was worth 70 odd million. All he does is box wine. You know, that's all he does. You know, deliver the wine, deliver the wine, deliver the wine. And it's like an automatic business. Now, of course, there's a lot of work gone into that. And that's not how we started. He started in shops. But now yeah. it's all automated. It's all online. So automated product is number one. Automated service is number two. I bet you and I both subscribe to some kind of service. So not a product now, a service where we get a service and we pay for it. And we pay for it automatically. It's now, Netflix, yeah, yeah, that would be, yeah. And it could be like, I get my alarm serviced or I'll get my boiler serviced or whatever. You know, so you're, yeah. you're getting a, a product or a service that's being shipped automatically. Now, if you've got a product business, could you add a service? If you've got a service business, could you add a product? The third is, can you create IP? So, which is where instead of just providing the product or the service, you're now creating some kind of membership, some kind of subscription, some kind of way that somebody wants to bind to you because they like what you do and they like how you do it. Mm. And they feel a connection to that. Now, um, there are many businesses, membership business like that, but uh, you know, Wealth Builders is a membership business. So all of our customers are members. We call them members and they pay a subscription. And I do everything in my power to make that more valuable for them. So I'll negotiate, get deals, get arrangements, get contracts that give them better value so that they want to stay. That's a membership business. And the other one is something called a gateway. Now, a gateway is where you don't even have the business. You spot an opportunity, what people are doing, and you say, actually, you know, people are looking for that, and people are looking for that. Why don't I just create a, a portal, a website, a gateway through which they travel, and when they travel, I get paid? Right? Biggest example of that? Martin Lewis, the money-saving expert. 80 million did he get? He got something crazy like that, didn't he sold for? A lot of money for his business. Yeah. And, and it's not a business. You didn't sell anything. There's no subscription. You don't buy anything. You go there because it's a portal that says, hey, you could save this off Tesco's. Hey, you could save this off your uh, utilities. That You could save this on insurance. You could save this. And it was bought by uh, one of the big um, uh, car uh and his, his revenue was from a referral fee from clicking yeah, exactly. on the link. Yeah, right? exactly. yeah. Now, you, could, you can think about that in any way. If you look at a business and say, well, what do people want? Like muscle pots, right? So if it's muscle pots, what, what do they buy before they buy the muscle pot? What do they buy after the muscle pot? And then you, you create a website that says whatever you're doing on that journey, because you, 
elegantly introduced this as three parts to a journey. You know, wh wh where are you when you get the catalyst and go, hey, I want to be wealthy. Hey, I want to be fit. What do I do when I'm getting fit? And then what do I do after I've got fit and I kind of really want to take it to the next level? Well, you can think about that and go, well, I, people are looking for that. People are looking for that. I could make a little website and they look for all of that and I can get paid by all of them. And, and you can become a center of excellence for and find the best people who do the best things in that. And that's what, you know, we're, is our ambition for wealth builders is to be a hub of excellence for everything to do with wealth, which is why I want you in it because you're bloody brilliant at what you do. And I will find the best teachers, the best thought leaders, the best educators, the best suppliers and say, look after my members because you're great at what you do but please give them some value and a benefit that's unique for us. Just a small one. And that's, that's what we do in Wealth Builders is, is to create. And that's why it's more fun for me. So it's not just about property. It's like, what do people do to build their wealth? There's only seven things they can do. Now I can find like a matrix of who does uh, lifestyle mortgages, right? So when people leave it too late, how do they get an income from their property so they don't have to pay a fortune? How can they dramatically cut their pension charges so they're not paying a fortune to somebody else? How could they turn their pension into a vehicle that gives them more property? How could they invest safely instead of, you know, with volatility? How can they get a knowledge on things like cryptocurrency in a safer environment rather than somebody trying to continually fan the flame of the FOMO? Uh, mm -hmm. How do you build a property? Who are the best people in property? Who are the best people in, in business, lawyers and accountants and you get the picture. So the whole idea for me in life is I just want, I'm like a librarian, a curator of the best of the best in the world of wealth. Mm. And that's a gateway. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I, think there's I, another, I think there's another one coming. Um, it's community. I think people craving community post pandemic. If you can build community around those four, put a little layer of community that people identify with people. I think, you know, is a, is a great additional way to cement that relationship. Mm. I think, just going back to the first part of what you said, that I think, I think the, the message there for me, or the key takeaway is this re reoccurring thing. So people that are listening, if you have a business, from what Kevin said there, is there a way, is there a way where you can create one of those four things? Most businesses there probably is. Something there maybe tagging on additional product, mightn't it? You know, yeah. There's, um, there's, 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 you could get it in every business, and even mm. if it's zero today, how do you make it one percent? How do mm. you then make it five percent? How do you make it ten percent? Because every time you step that up, you're dramatically increasing the value of your business. There's a great mm. book by John Warrillow called Built to Sell, and he and I were sharing a stage once, and we were chatting. And I said to him, you know, uh, his, his book talks about the eight things you, you need to do in a business. And what are the kind of eight levers you need to pull and push to that? If you combine them, you get a more valuable business, because if you're in business, you want a more valuable one to sell it at some point. And we got chatting and he's got eight uh, in his book. And I said, of the eight, John, which one is the most valuable? He said, recurring income. Mm. Said, That's what I think. So if you can get the recurring income, everything else starts to fall into place. Mm. And evidence is, although it's not, it's not really, uh, there's not really too much data, but the, the evidence that we've got anecdotally is that a business that has recurring income can be up to 10 times more valuable than a business that doesn't. So if you can think about that, do you want to build your business and work 10 times harder and try and sell it? Or do you want to create recurring income and then it's so much more valuable and you can sell it because what an acquirer wants is predictability. What they don't get when they buy a business, they don't really know how much is true. But if you've got that recurring income and it's right there in front of them, you know, you've got, you've got a much more valuable thing. So, Yeah, man, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's such an important message to make people think a little bit differently about their own business. So if they're getting into business, think about setting it up with the end in mind, setting it up from the outset with um, recurring income is yeah. a, a focal point um, or one, yeah. one of them. One of them. Um, love that. Thank you for sharing that, Kevin. It's, it's some great advice. 
Um, but we just go back a step. So we talked about how you got into it. Obviously, it was it was a catalyst of, of what happened to, to to your dad, and I'm so, sorry to hear about that. Um, all, all those years ago, but then that got you into the mindset of you know I'm not going to let this happen to me and my family. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about you know how you got to where you are now. Um, I've heard you speak on other podcasts where you've you've literally got hundreds of JVs. So. Um, probably haven't got enough time to talk about all your businesses and all the things that you've done and that you're doing. But is there any key sort of moments in that middle section from starting off into now that you you know what you're really proud of, or something that there's a real, real important lesson that you learned that you think other people would like to to hear that you'd like to share? Maybe two or three different examples would be great. Yeah, I think I think the first one, which I think is really powerful to share is I had a mortgage broking business. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, this is a long time ago, you know, I'm much older than you. The, you, the only thing you could make from a mortgage broking business was was uh, proc fees, you know, getting paid when the deal got done. Same now, it's the same now, yeah. Yeah, right, okay. But you know, the, but that's all there was. And uh, this was um, in the nineties and, uh, and, ev- and, and everybody said, you can't, nobody, you're a mortgage broker, nobody's gonna pay you a fee. Mm. Oh, why not? I want a recurring income, so I want a fee. So, so I created a concept. This is where you just think about the solution to the problem. Don't think about the business you're in. Think about the solution. This was my first solution. I'll give you a, a quick segue into a couple of others, but it was um, everybody has got a mortgage knows that if you buy a house with a mortgage, by the time you paid for it, it costs you lost a lot more because you've had to pay the interest on top. All right. I focused on that and said, if you buy uh, what I'm probably selling for then, say 200 grand, you buy this property for 200 grand, it's going to cost you 433,340 pounds because it's on your mortgage offer. That's what it's going to cost you over the long term. I can help you cut that by hundreds of thousands. Would you like to know how? Yes, I would. Right. You sign up to this mortgage subscription fee. It's called the mortgage management process. And we will work with you as a mortgage broker every time there's an opportunity to reduce your interest. And then when you reduce your interest, when you save a bit of interest, could you find your way just to put a little bit of that interest and just overpay it? A little bit of that interest and overpay it. And that way you bring your mortgage down. And I can show you with the calculator that I designed that if you do that and you follow this path, instead of paying 433,000 or whatever I just said, it'd be 350, so I'll save you 83,000 pounds on this property. Would you like to do that? It's gonna cost you whatever it was, um, 120 pound a year or something it was then. And it's like people signed up, just signed up. Yeah, I want that, signed up. So it's creating a niche inside your business. And then, you know, from there I did free wills for people when the self-assessment came in, I did free tax returns for higher rate taxpayers because the higher rate taxpayers paid the biggest m- amount of money in pensions as I became a pensions advisor, you know. So I just found ways to give people something more and they will stay with you. Yeah, I yeah. I think so. But you'll, you'll get the prop fees and every fixed rate as well. They're not going to go to well, another broker for any other service others as well. A mile away, you know. So what does a mortgage broker want to do? They want the client. But if, you, if you're constantly, if you're, paying a fee because they wanted to get their mortgage down um you know then and that made it very easy for me to sell my mortgage broking business and i wrote a book that went along that called save a fortune how to completely eliminate your mortgage loans and credit cards fast now i don't i'm not saying that's the way to build wealth but it's definitely an aspect of wealth that if you pay less in debt you know you at least you'll get you'll have more money left to be able to invest so, you know, my thinking's got more sophisticated since then, but that's where I was at the time. And it was, uh, made my business very easy to sell. Mm. So instead of selling it, I sold it under a license agreement and the license agreement is still paying me. So I'm still being paid now, still now, for a business that I passed on to somebody else in 2004. It's like, I'm still being paid. Are they happy with that? So, you know, that's that there would be a few examples. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, any property highlights that because I mean, you do buy property, right? Or do you just fund yeah, deal? I, I do, but it's not my it's not my thing. I not would say, thing. I think I would say my thing is business, but the mm-hmm. thing that I learned 
in the credit crunch in 2008 was that people, you know, when, when something dramatic, you know, almost a fundamentally different way that things happen, like we've had in the pandemic, uh, you have to look at the market in a different way. And what I decided to do was to do two things that people didn't know how to do. One was mm. how to create the right process to get private funding. So thought about why, 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 don't, why don't people get a, a backlog, a waiting list of investors at their door? When the stock market's all over the place, you know, interest rates are skyrocketing. People can't get, property people can't get uh, mortgages. It's difficult to get loans. And if they do get loans, you know, they're, they're high or their penalties and fees. Yet there's an army of people who are so frustrated and fed up with money they've got in their life, in their business bank accounts, in their pensions, in their investments. Yet you're doing property and getting 10, 15, 20% ROI. They're getting one, two, three. Why isn't there a, a queue? So I thought, mm, okay, I'll learn this. So I learned that and taught people how to do that. And, and, and as a result of being able to teach that, I was able to essentially... Uh, help match private investors with property developers and, and make that process all work for both sides and, and, and you know, and, and generate a revenue in the middle. I don't do so much of that now. Um, I teach it now, but I just give, give that away. What, what I do now is show people how they can get access to money for themselves. And the biggest thing that I do is to turn my biggest, I suppose my biggest frustration in life, because I was and still am actually a qualified IFA, I just hate the way the industry, despite technology, you know, despite mm. the fact that things can be cheaper and you can go wholesale now with, with investments, they want to hold you in that retail space. They mm. want to hold you to make that money. Instead of making it cheaper for you, they make it more expensive for you so they make more money. I don't like that. Uh, so... I learned about the concept of SAS, the small self-administered scheme, the pension that you own and you control. And now we do thousands of those and that helps people get money for themselves. Mm. And then if you can do that and then you can get a community of people, and we've got 5,000 in that community. So if you've got a community of people who are all mavericks, all taking control of their pension, sticking two fingers up to the tradition and saying, hey, it's my pension, it's not yours. Get that siphon unplugged, you know, unplugged from the matrix, get yourself your own pension. And by the way, there's 5,000 of you and 5,000 of you, you can lend to each other. Mm. You know, so instead of looking for needles and haystacks, build a bloody haystack. So I build haystacks. Create the market. yeah. Create the market. That's the skill. You create the market. That's where the real value is. It's the value in imagination and it's the value in revenue. And actually you get a reputation for doing good work and mm. um you know i'm proud of that and yeah and i want to continue to do that and i won't get bored and i won't retire despite my advancing years is because i love what i do i've still got a buzz for it yeah i, I can see that and um i've always said that like i, I do like, honestly hand on heart love everything that i do and I, i'm quite ruthless me if i don't like doing so i know you've still got to do some things that you don't like but I outsource or I just eliminate the things that I don't like me because then I, every day I feel good. I feel like I enjoy what I do. And, and that's it. And your age that's, doesn't matter, does it, at that point? Yeah, and that comes across here. It's why I immediately resonated with you when I first met you. I thought this guy is like just like a super more efficient, more effective, younger version of what I was, and he's going to go a lot further than I do. Um, you I'll, know, take, I'll take that, Kevin. I'll take that. You're just on it, man, and I love it. No, I appreciate that. That's really kind of you to say. Um, yeah, it's a massive compliment because I know how much you've achieved in your life. So thank you for that. Um, so we've talked about some some sort of key highlights, Kevin, which was great. I think there's definitely been some gems so far. What about, um, <clears throat> what does you focus on right now? Is there any particular markets or, not markets, any industry, because you're a businessman, any market industries? There's a lot of talk of this recession that's looming around, that's coming. First of all, what's, what's your attention on and what you think yeah. is going to happen? No, that's, a question. that's a great question. I, I, I alluded to one point, which is to make wealth builders the hub of excellence. So I continue to try and find the best people around. So that's still ongoing. But I think there's a passion of mine that's, that's, that's coming uh, that will manifest itself this year. 
And it's this, Terry, and I, and I think I think you'll resonate with it. And I think it is a market creation again. And it's this. Nobody's teaching money to kids. Right? School system, yeah. School system is failing them. I mean, look, you don't they don't even teach entrepreneurship. You know, nobody goes from school into being a business owner. That's not even a thought. And there's going to be, so I think there's, there's, there's a kind of a pincer movement coming. On the one hand, there's going to be a tsunami of money flowing from the baby boomers like me mm. to the next generation. But the older people were never taught how to share anything about their money. You know, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up in Newcastle and I asked my dad about money, I'd get a clip around the ear and say, mind your own bloody business, son's got nothing to do with you, man. <laughs> that, that's what money was, right? It was, it was something parents did and kids didn't do. Uh, and I think now with money flowing to the next generation, and there's a danger the next generation simply don't know what's being left behind. Mm. And then when they get it, they feel a sense of entitlement to have it and then they blow it before, so that the wealth will deplete. It won't, they call it shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations or clogs to clogs in three generations. I mean, there, there are sayings about it. You know, this is so prevalent across all countries. So I'm going to try and stop that and create something called Wealth Builders for Families. How to be a fantastic money role model for your kids. How to create a family charter and a set of rules so you build responsible, not entitled children and how you become a better teacher of this for the next generation as well. So we're starting to embrace the whole family now into a plan called Wealth Builders for Families. And that will be out. I've written most of it, it's not finished. Um, and I'd love to come back on and talk about Wealth Builders for Families when it's, when it's out there. And that would be, it'll be this year for sure. Uh, my original plan was this summer. I'm struggling a bit with it, but it'll get done because uh, there's a lot more to it than I thought. But we're getting case studies now. So if anybody's out there listening who's doing some great things with their kids and it'd be aimed at people from 6 to 26 because they're still kids, right? Um, anybody in that age group, what are you doing that's just bringing kids into the discussion? What are you doing that's giving them a lesson? What are you doing that's making them involved in something? What are you doing that's making them feel more responsible, interested in other people, not just interested in themselves. Because I think there's a danger we're gonna see kids living a life by comparison. Because all they see is Instagram and TikTok and they don't touch money at all, there's no touchy-feely. It's tap this and swipe that. And just, just, there's just no connection. Like people lost a connection where food comes from, people have lost a connection where money comes from. And I wanna put that right. I think that's a massive, <laughs> It's a massive job, but I think it's such an important one. And, and if there's any way I could get involved in that, I would like to, because I spoke to you earlier, um, I've got number four, uh, child number four on the way, I know. Um, I must must be mad. Um, but um, but yeah, you know, it is on my mind, you know, my, my eldest is nine. And like, like, I don't want, just because she's going to be, she's going to have things that she wants because I, I do well. Financially, I do not want her to be spoiled. I don't want her to not understand the value of money. So it's it's on my mind, like trying to teach her things, and it is working. And it's quite nice when she repeats a phrase or a saying that I've taught her, however many years ago, and she repeat. It's quite a nice thing, but it's very, very, um, it's on my mind about that because I think it's such an important thing. Because if you're not careful, you could work all your life and create all of this amazing life for your family, but then they ruin it. And when you're not here, they lose it, they spend it, they blow it. You've got to teach them the principles. Um, and if you could somehow tap into the mass market and that at school level, university level, or something like that, the lasting impact of, the, of your work would just be, it'd, it'd be massive. Um, That's what I'm on. Yeah, yeah, it's an it's amazing thing. talk about phrases, of what, one thing that makes me laugh more than anything else, right? So, so I, I go to Newcastle and you know I love crossing the time bridge I always want to do that yeah. and I, I love the, the the beauty and the architecture of it it's just great but anyway uh stop waxing lyrical about Newcastle upon time Kevin but what you know occasionally I'll talk uh something about money and and I'll be I'll go and see my mother and my mother's in her 80s and you know she's a little bit frail and and 
she doesn't have pensions and things like that because I mentioned my dad died, didn't leave anything. But when I talk to her and I say something, she'll say, put it in me sass, Kev. <laughs> she hasn't put it in me sass. <laughs> she hasn't, she hasn't got one. She just heard it, right? Because my brother worked with me and my brother and I talk about sass a lot. She'll put it in me sass. <laughs> So if I can get an 80-odd-year-old to get up some of the language, I can definitely get a nine-year-old to get some of the language. Definitely, definitely. It, it, I think Brad Sugar says it, the world needs more employers, not more employees, right? Yeah. And if we can teach kids at, at an early age, then that's, that's what we're going to do, man. And he's he's um, on a mission with, uh, with young entrepreneurs. He's in America, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing that that's... I might end up philanthropically supporting young entrepreneurs and try and help them with their ideas and then you know financially support them but it's not not this year it'll be in the future because i think business is just fascinating yeah man not me too kevin i've run out of time a little bit i definitely want you to come back on if that's okay with you because i'd quite like to do like an educational piece with you just thinking about around sas because a lot of people are still uneducated about that and Mm. I, i think um if we're going to have a separate chat, I'd, I'd like to do some some stuff with you around around the the teaching the kids. Yeah. Well. I think that would be great. But um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, Kevin, if anyone wants to follow your journey, find out about more about the seven pillars, or just listen to you or, or read up on what you do, what's the best way for them to to reach out to you or to connect? Well, I think the, the starting point would be um, you know find me on LinkedIn. So Kevin Whelan, W H E L A N. Uh, wealthbuilders.co.uk is the company but we do a great podcast I've done three years in a podcast and you've been a guest on it Terry and you did yeah, a great, great job it's called Wealth Talk so find that and and kind of let's start from episode one I think we're on about 160 or something now but just listen and see if you resonate with some of the ideas and if you want a free book just message me on LinkedIn say free book from Terry Blackburn and I'll send that to you completely free of charge no worries and if you've got a little case study you're doing something with your kids that's just really interesting and you mm-hmm. and, and i'd love to video you or talk to you so you could become a case study as we launch wealth builders for families because i do you know what i'm just blown away by what some people are doing with their kids that I didn't realize you know fascinating stories which i'll share with you on another day yeah no i'd love that i'd love that Kevin, thank you so, so much. I've really enjoyed it. Um, loads and loads of lessons and gems in what you've said. And um, yeah, let's have a separate chat and see where it goes. So thanks, Kevin. See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks, mate. Thank you.